This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning try. Welcome back to another edition of the Winning Drive Podcast. I am your host, Cordell Woodland, also the Ravens Beat reporter for 105.7 The Fan and host of Shaking It Up Sports on that station here with my man Tim Barberley is filling in for Rita, who is just torn the world. She's like Carmen San Diego these days. You never know where she's at. Uh, she went out to that LSU Florida game. Um, didn't end the way that she would have liked, I'm sure, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure she found a way to have fun. But Tim, uh, one of the co-hosts for Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan, kind enough to join us after this Ravens loss against the Cleveland Browns. Tim, really appreciate you stepping in today. Um, God, where 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 do we begin? Uh, Ravens obviously coming into this game hot. They're coming off of the blowout win against Seattle at home last week. Uh, the Browns, in their own right, have been hanging in there as well. Uh, they were what five, uh, four, and three coming into the game. Everybody in the division was in the postseason coming into this game today. Browns, uh, they had won against Arizona last week at home, so. What we got was we expected to see the battle of the defenses, right? These are two of the top defenses in the NFL. Both of them have uh, enough to go and say that they're the best defense in the league. But yet we sit here with a 33-31 to 31 final uh, in this game, and I think that just speaks to just how weird of a game this, this really turned out to be. No, it was extremely bizarre. And look, it happened immediately where you have the Kyle Hamilton pick six where mm-hmm. he tips the ball right to himself, takes it back for a touchdown. But Cordell, it, it was funny. I was messaging a friend of mine uh, in the middle of the game where I said it felt like that Steelers game 
early on in the year where the Ravens just dominated the first half, but the Browns were still hanging around. Browns were still hanging around. And then the second half happened where Deshaun Watson caught fire and give credit to him because the first half, what was he, six for 20, and then he was 14 for 14 in the second half, and the Ravens defense just had no answers after halftime. No, no, they didn't. Uh, Definitely a tale of two halves. Um, The Ravens, they go into halftime with a 17-9 to lead, uh, end up getting outscored in the second half, 24-14. to And uh, like you said, definitely a tale of two halves for Deshaun Watson, 6 for 20 in the first half, 14-14 of in the second half with the touchdown as well. His legs uh, were a huge piece of what they did in this game, especially uh, as the game went on in the second half, they just he's breaking tackles. He's almost as if he's covered in butter. Um, and I think the run game, I mean, and we could talk about the Ravens defense right now. I mean, just looking at this Browns offense and how they had success against the Ravens defense, I think they wore these guys down. The run game was there for them all day, even in the first half. Uh, Jerome Ford finishes with over 100 yards on the ground. Kareem Hunt finishes with over three. He has uh, 32 yards and a touchdown as well. I mentioned Watson, who had 37 yards on the ground as well. But I, I think that run game is really kind of what slowed the Ravens down because it it, it almost felt like um, it was a slow death for them. Like the, the even in the first half where the Ravens were in control the Browns being able to run the ball as efficiently as they did, I think allowed them to stay on schedule in the second half, especially once it gets to a one possession game. Okay. Now those run plays that they were getting when they were down 14 points that you didn't really care about. Now those run plays are starting to add up because they're picking up first downs, they're moving the ball and that defense just at times felt like they just couldn't get off the field. No, Cordell, I think that's a great point. And we were talking about it during the pregame about Nick Chubb. He's been gone for a while now. And I think Nick Chubb, in my opinion, the best pure runner in the NFL. And not having him is just a big, big blow for this Browns offense. But Jerome Ford heading into this game was averaging just four yards per carry. Kareem Hunt heading into the game was averaging just 3.3 yards per carry. And When you're looking for similarities in the Ravens' losses, you go back to the Colts game where Zach Moss, Zach Mm -hmm. Moss was extremely effective in that game against the Ravens. And Jerome Ford, he was just able to get success every single time. And when you look at Kareem Hunt, again, the the, the stats, he averaged, what, 3.2 yards per carry. But that touchdown run where he was running through contact for Patrick Queen and Michael Pierce there – They were able to get the dirty yards, and you started with Deshaun Watson. I mean, how many key third downs or second and longs did Deshaun Watson pick up with his legs? I mean, they had no answers for him all game long. No, no, they didn't. I mean, Roquan Smith finished this game with 21 tackles. I don't know if that's a career high, but it's got to be up there. It's got to be up there, and I think it just lets – it tells the story of just how busy – the Ravens defense were they were forced to be you mentioned it I mean it, it was at times it felt like Deshaun Watson was kind of pulling plays out of a hat in that second half eight for 16 on third downs not great uh but you know six I mean 16 third downs in itself I think it speaks to how much that Cleveland offense 
was on the field. They possessed the ball for over 34 yards or 34 minutes um, in this game. And I, look, let's not, I don't want to paint the picture that Cleveland played a perfect game. They had 10 penalties in this game. They didn't play a perfect game, but that's just the way that this AFC North division goes. It's, it's the uglier, the better sometimes. And you really got to see that at times in this game. Also, I don't know what went on in this in the middle of that defense late in the second half. It just seemed like that's where Watson was looking at us. He hit Amari Cooper a couple of times on some of those uh, uh, deep middle passes. Um, it, it just I don't know what was going on. And John Harbaugh, after we talked to him after the game, he did say that there were some miscommunications in some of their split zone safeties. Obviously, there was a little bit of a shakeup this week in terms of their rotation. Uh, Marcus Williams was active for this game. We saw less Geno Stone. I'm curious to see what the snap counter looked like uh, come Monday, but less Geno Stone and more Marcus Williams. I don't know if that was a benefit for the Ravens. I'm with you, and that was always going to be a decision when Marcus Williams came back. And look, Geno Stone, Prior to today, four games, four interceptions, got six picks on the year. And, of course, that is a a high in the NFL. But for this game, you mentioned Amari Cooper, where you saw that last week against the Cardinals, where prior to that game, Deshaun really struggled getting Amari Cooper involved, despite we know what he is. I mean, from his time in Dallas, but he was able to finally hit a couple deep shots with him last week. But this week... Over the middle was where the Ravens seemed very vulnerable. And you look at David Njoku. I mean, how many catches and runs did he have? And it was breaking tackles, Cordell, where this year this Ravens defense had been a very sure tackling bunch, but not so much today. And I feel like that that was very uncharacteristic of that unit. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. A lot of missed tackles in this game. Deshaun Watson benefited from one of those missed tackles late in the game, like squeaks through two tackles at the same time. I mean, you mentioned David Njoku, who I think is really kind of the underrated hero for Cleveland in this game because when they really had nothing going offensively, Njoku was the guy. They had a, I want to say, third and 21 or something like that where Watson really just hits Njoku at the line of scrimmage. And then Joku just takes it. He, he, he goes and picks up the first down. I mean, that was just big time. Oh, absolutely. And I think that was after the strip sack where yeah. the Adafe Owe, where he hits the ball loose. And I think it was Matt Abike who was diving for that football, but a Browns offensive lineman jumps on it. it it's those little plays where, mm-hmm. again, him picking it up, uh, you said 17 yards, I believe, on that play. That gives you the third and manageable, the fourth and manageable, and it keeps you on task where you get that big loss on first down. It pushes you way back. But when you're able to get that chunk play, it puts you back in position to keep you on track. Yeah. And you talked about some of the little plays that, and it, it really wasn't a little play, but that pass interference by Rocky Sin late in the game turned out to be huge. I mean, they it, it ends up, he, I don't know why he decided. I think it was Amari Cooper, the receiver, but he pushes him out when the ball. It, now I could hear the argument that it was an uncut, a uncatchable ball, which it was. But he literally unnecessarily shoves the guy right in front of the ref, shoves him out of bounds. You're opening the door. You're putting the game in the ref's hands at that point, and it's just you cannot have it. And that 
extends the drive, gives them great field position, and then they go on to get that touchdown to Elijah Moore that kind of starts the comeback at that point. At, at that point, now you're starting to feel like momentum is shifting. You've got the uh, field goal block on Justin Tucker. From that point on, it just felt like, all right, this, this is getting eerily similar to that Colts game where you had the King and Drake fumble. Um, and, and this is despite James Prochet giving the Ravens a gift giving them a complete gift with the muff punt, they still found ways, I think, to make plays that were self-inflicted. And and Cordell, let's be honest, man, after that James Prochet muff punt, it took two defensive penalties Mm -hmm. for automatic first downs for them to get in the end zone. I mean, that was an extreme struggle for the Ravens offense at that point. And it, nothing really came easy where the Browns defense, they were able, they took a serious body blow early on in that game. And of course, I know that that uh, Kyle Hamilton touchdown had nothing to do with them, but the Ravens offense, they were able to get that early 17 to three lead. But after that blocked field goal, that was really the momentum changer there for me, where they were able to get that return on it and I think prior to that to Cordell they had a defensive penalty for a first down during that drive Mm -hmm. to extend that one but they weren't able to capitalize when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and look, we're, we're talking to Tim Barbalay's uh, co-host of Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. Kind enough to fill in for Rita Hubbard here with me, Cordell Woodland, on this recap episode of the Win and Drive podcast. And yeah, we're talking about the offense now um, and just so much to get into on the offensive side of the ball. Where do, first of all, <laughs> Lamar, and I, Lamar's my guy. I, I, Lamar's my guy. It is what it is. But some of those plays that he made in this game were just backbreaking. I mean, the the inter, the tipped interception that goes for a pick six, all right, you know, stuff like that's going to happen. I mean, he's throwing it to Patrick Ricard. It felt eerily similar to that Giants pick that he had last year in that Giants game. Um, and then the 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 interception that he throws down the field, trying to get it to Rashad Bateman. It's only but so many times we can say it's a miscommunication or Bateman's got to turn. That's not on Bateman. I mean that that ball is behind him. Even if you say it's a back shoulder throw, it's not. I mean he's got to stop on a dime to come back to that ball. And afterwards, Lamar is patting his chest, blaming himself. And I know this one got brought back. But that interception he throws in the end zone, 
I mean, it felt like that was the same exact pick he threw against the Bills last year in that collapse loss at home. It I, And again, that one got brought back, thankfully, but it just didn't seem... And somebody else in the media made a good point about this to me in the press box. Um, it just seems like when this offense is going south, Lamar isn't saving them. And in fact, Lamar is going just as fast south as anybody. It, it just seems like when when the momentum shifts, he isn't the he 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 hasn't shown to the to this point in the season. Obviously, in this point in his career, he has, which is the head scratching thing for me. He just seems like he can't get them back on track. Whereas in years past, where he had less around him, <laughs> he was able to kind of be that Superman. But I, I don't know. It just seems like Lamar, when this offense is free falling, he's unable to stop it. No, and I think that's a very great point, Cordell, where I've, you know, had that conversation with Ken Wyman saying this year, and this is kind of a testament to the team that the Ravens have, where there's been so many moments this year where Lamar doesn't have to put on the Superman cape in order for the Ravens to win this year, where in years past, like you're saying, he's got to win it on himself, but there have been those moments where you think back to the Steelers game, going back to it, the interception, uh, the Joey Porter Jr., where he was going for Odell Beckham Jr. on the uh, jump ball and the goal line fade, where, look, you settle for a field goal there, you're, you're living for another day. And Lamar, the interception to Bateman, and unfortunately, and look, Jason has the numbers, uh, Jason Lock and Fora has the numbers where his passer rating to Rashad Bateman over the course of his career is in the 70s. And we've seen multiple times this year where those guys are not on the same page. And this is Rashad Bateman's third year in the NFL. This isn't a Zay Flowers where he's a rookie and, and Lamar and him are trying to gain that rapport. This is year three where it, it, it's very bizarre. We're in week 10 and you're having that type of miscommunication and on that interception where that just can't happen at no. the end of the half. No, it, it can't happen. It can't happen. And I, and I, I've been asking for more of Rashad Bateman. I believe we both have been asking for more of Rashad Bateman uh, in this offense. And I thought Bateman did some good things early. It, it just seems like they go away from him. And once they go away from him, he's never brought back into the fold. He had two catches on four targets today. I mean, the passing game in itself wasn't really there for them. Zay Flowers paced them with five catches on six targets, 73 yards. Mark Andrews, who, to be honest with you, for a while there, I forgot Mark Andrews was even in the game because I hadn't seen anything from him leading up to that 36-yard catch that he had late in the second half, which was good. But you didn't really hear anything from Mark Andrews today. Nothing much from Odell Beckham outside of that slant touchdown, which was great. I mean, that was vintage Beckham on that one. Lamar hit him in stride. You got to see Beckham really show that burst. But the all, the, the rushing game, and it, I don't want to be all negative um, because there were some good things. Obviously, Keaton Mitchell is just another bright spot. Why Keaton Mitchell wasn't more involved? Harbs didn't even have the answer uh, <laughs> for that when we asked him after the game. But I will say it is troublesome, especially with Cincinnati on Thursday. This is a Ravens team that finished this game with three of their starting offensive linemen not in the game. Ronnie Stanley got hurt in this one, a knee issue. Uh, Kevin Zeitler got hurt in this game as well. And Morgan Moses came into the game as an inactive. 
No, it's it's this three-game home stretch. Seattle, Cleveland, Cincinnati was so crucial to me. And that was despite going four and one in the four to five games on the road prior to that, because this is a situation, Cordell, where you win this game today against the Browns, they're buried. They're done in terms of the AFC North competition. And then if you were to win this one and win against Cincinnati and Cincinnati lost today, they're buried. Yeah. And, and, it's these type of games going to the Colts, going to the Steelers, where it's week 10 now when we get to week 16, 17, 18, and we're saying, okay, the Ravens need this to happen. The Ravens need this to happen. If they would have won these games, one of these games, two of these games, we are talking about that situation, man. Like, like, and that's the thing that's so frustrating where we've seen this time and time again with this Ravens team. Um, and and you get late into the year and you're lamenting the fact that they're dropping games like this that were easily winnable for them and they weren't able to get it done. Yeah, and, and to your point, you know, they, they got the game against uh, Cincinnati on Thursday. They win that game, honestly, all will probably be forgiven, realistically. They Especially as banged up as it's looking like they are right now. I think for me and probably a lot of Ravens fans, it's more about how they lost this game to Cleveland. I I, I don't, I don't think it's, I think if you ask John Harbaugh coming into the week, you know, if he could split these two games this week, would that be a win for him? He'd say yes. He'd say yes. But he also wouldn't say that if he had knew that he would have a 14 point lead against Cleveland in the fourth quarter and then go on to blow that game. I, I just, I think that's the issue for me. And just looking long term, finishing games is a problem for this team. It's It's been a problem. And it doesn't matter whether it's the defensive side of the ball or the offensive side. Them as a team have struggled to finish games uh, right now, especially these close wings. They look great when they're blowing teams out. But when you get into some fiery stuff and, you know, the game is going up and down, back and forth, they still are having struggles protecting big leads. I don't know, man. I, I still think that this Ravens team is a really good team. I still believe that in the AFC, I still think they're right up there, be, right behind Kansas City. Um, but it, it's, it's some of these repetitive um, characteristics that are worrying me when you talk about how far this team can go in January. Look, Cordell, this isn't a blip. This isn't a one-time thing. This isn't a two-time thing. You look at the numbers right now. Ravens have six losses with a double-digit lead since the start of 2022, most in the NFL. Nine losses with a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter since the start of 2021, most in the NFL. 11 losses when leading entering the fourth quarter since 2021, most in the NFL. This isn't coincidence. This has been something that has been happening time and time again. And we've gone over the numbers. You've gone over the numbers. Anyone who's covering this team has gone over the numbers. The struggles in the fourth quarter. And it's not just one thing. It's not just all the defense. It's not just all the offense. It's it's a combination of things. Heck, you can look back to coaching where the, the Lions game where Zay – Uh, Harbaugh didn't use the timeout when Zay called the fair catch prior to the two-minute warning. It is a combination of everything right now, which is causing this Ravens team to wilt 
under pressure wilt in the fourth quarter. And this is something that is always going to be in the mind of anyone who covers the team, anyone that's a fan of the team, or anyone that's watching a game with this Ravens squad, because this isn't a local narrative. This is an actual narrative nationally mm-hmm. for this Ravens football team. And they got to buck this trend. It's funny because we've heard, at least I have, especially as of late, um, the comparisons of this Ravens team to the 2019 uh, team. And yeah. uh, one thing you that, that, first of all, that comparison should probably be put to bed. This, t- this team this year has already lost more games than that team did that year. But also, clearly, in terms of protecting leads, putting teams away, it's not even in the same universe uh, of each other right now. This Ravens team right now, you can't trust them down the stretch. I mean, honest, that's just really what it's come down to. You you can't trust them. And I I had to learn that myself. I'm in the press box today, and it was a couple of times in the first half. I'm like, oh, yeah, this game is over. I mean, they, 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 Cleveland is showing no signs of life. We've got Watson out there limping around, uh, going into the halftime. Doesn't even finish the first half because he's got to go into the locker room. And they just look like they're dead in the water. And sure enough, that second half, totally different Watson, totally different Browns team in general. And really, you got a totally different Ravens team as well. I'm uh, Cordell Woodland, joined now by Tim Barbalace, co-host of Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. He's filling in for Rita Hubbard. Tim, usually after wins, me and, Re- me and Rita do our pats on the hat, uh, giving out our game balls. But obviously, this wasn't a win. Not a lot of pats uh, on the hat to give out. So instead, especially after a game like this, we choose to hear from the people. Um, got a lot of people tweeting me on Twitter at Cordell Woodland uh, telling me their feelings after the Ravens loss. I'll read a couple of them here. Um, this one is from uh, at, I, at Wish I Had Met Tupac. A lot of us do. Um, he says... <laughs> I feel like Harbaugh's coaching has cost this team at least six games the last two years. Mike Tomlin coaches every game like it's a playoff game. Tomlin runs the ball over and over to run the clock and be and, and punts when needed, and he doesn't try 55-yard field goal tries. So to that, because I've had to kind of – everybody after these losses, Tim, you know this as you, you guys take calls on your show as well, everybody wants to fire the coach after a loss. and. I'm not trying to sit here and say John Harbaugh doesn't have dirt on his hands after this loss. They all do. They all do. But I'm a firm believer of players play the game. And outside of situations where, as you mentioned, uh, was it the Colts game where the Zay Flowers situation where he calls, where he fair catches it? Okay, that's a coaching decision. Um, Today, you can make the argument that maybe they got away from the run They didn't run with Keaton Mitchell as much as you would have liked. I can buy all that. That said, despite those two things, this team had a 14-point lead in in, in the fourth quarter. You've got turnovers. You've got missed tackles. You've got unnecessary penalties. It's only but so much I can put on the coach. And I don't do the what-if game. I don't do the if Tomlin was here and all. I'm not even going to get into that. But the whole 55-yard thing, Mike Tomlin doesn't have the greatest kick, kicker in, of all time. I mean, you got Justin Tucker. Yeah, you're going to throw him out there. And and not to mention Cordell. Look, 
it, it, it's kind of funny because in Baltimore, you always have the calls about people like calling for John Harbaugh's head. In Pittsburgh, they've been calling for Mike Tomlin's head yep. for a minute. I mean, yep. you look at since the 2011 season, so after they made the Super Bowl loss to the Packers, Steelers been to one AFC championship game. Steelers mm-hmm. have not won a playoff game since, I want to say, 2018, 2017. But uh, keeping it with the Ravens at this point, and I'm by no means demeaning Mike Tomlin, but just, you know, talking about that tweet. Look, John Arbaugh, he's not throwing a pass that's getting tipped in the air and they get intercepted by the Browns and ran back for a touchdown. You know, John Arbaugh's not throwing an interception with a miscommunication by Rashad Bateman. John Harbaugh is not defensively blowing a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. Now, did was this the perfectly coached game? No. But is there ever a perfectly coached game? Right. And I, I'm with you. I think, look, there are absolutely times where you can give John Harbaugh grief. But today, man, I, coaching? I, <laughs> I don't know. I can't really yeah. bang on John Harbaugh for this. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, I, I I don't think John is absolved of any responsibility. They're all all of them. All of them are. Um, I, I it's just only but so far I can go with that in a game like that. The players they're deciding it. They they're the ones that's deciding the outcome in that. So I I gotta give more of the responsibility to the players, and not just because of this game. I just think in general. That's the way I, I kind of operate. It's only but so much they can do. Here's another text from at Maryland Sports Chat. Uh, he says, what reason are they playing Marcus Williams through the injury? Seeing Geno played less for him, and he can't even use the upper half of his body on tackles. And, Tim, we talked about this earlier. We've seen it with Marcus Williams before uh, earlier in the season. He makes a couple of business decisions depending on what side he has to make that tackle on. If it looks like it's his, it's his left peck uh, that he's got heavily wrapped, he can't do much with it. And we saw it happen a couple of times. David Njoku's coming right at him, and he's kind of trying to pull him down as opposed to tackling him. How much did that impact the defense, Marcus Williams being on the field more and getting less of Geno Stone, who leads the league in interceptions? Yeah, look, I'm with you. I want to see the snap distribution when it comes out in a few hours, maybe tomorrow morning. But like, that's always a thing where you can go back to, I believe, the Lions game where Marcus Williams made a hell of a play to break up a pass, but he can only lift up one arm, lift up two, you get an interception. And here's the thing that's tough, where... Look, I have to commend Marcus Williams right. for being a competitor, for being nowhere near 100% and him to go out there and try to give it his all. He's got a big contract, Cordell, and and he got paid, and this was a situation where he was not missing games at all during his time with the uh, uh, Green Bay Packers, where this is such a thing that we're not used to seeing with a Marcus Williams. But it gets to a point where do you have to protect the player from themselves? Or is this a situation where maybe you limit Marcus Williams' snap counts because I can't take Geno Stone off the field for a significant portion of time. When, when he continues to find the ball time and time again, and you can easily make the argument that he should have had another interception yeah, yeah. in the first half. Thanks, Cal. Hamilton. Hamilton. 
Yeah, where Kyle Hamilton ran into him and Kyle Hamilton even went up to him and was, you know, talking to him at the end. You need Geno Stone out there. Yeah. And and look, they were out there together quite a bit. That's why I said I need to see what the what the snap count distribution really looked like because they played a lot of Kyle Hamilton in the nickel and let Geno and Marcus Williams be their deep safeties. My issue with Marcus Williams being out there, and like you said, definitely got to give him credit for going out there and playing through this injury, multiple injuries at this point. Um, definitely don't want to downplay that. But even if you were to go and say, let's play him in certain situations, the ball always finds you. It, the, the play finds you. It's tough to put a guy out there that isn't physically ready to go make a tackle if need be, especially when you got that guy at your safety. And at that point, it's either saving a touchdown or allowing the touchdown at that point. Let, I'll read one more here. Um, this is from at Doc So Dope. Um, says a complete letdown in all phases. They played like they thought the Browns would just lay down. Defense got diced up. Offense was stagnant and never flowed. And I can kind of agree with the notion that the Ravens played like the Browns were just going to go away because after that first half and the way things looked and how much, how, how in control the Ravens were going into halftime, yeah, you probably thought that, especially with the Ravens scoring that touchdown to start the second half as well, I'm sure they probably in their minds were like, okay, this is over. I mean, our defense has been great all year. The Browns have been, have given really nothing all day. You've got a hobbled Deshaun Watson. They're already out there with, with, uh, without either of their tackles. I mean, what else do you need? And it just seemed like the Browns went out there and took the game Whereas opposed to the Ravens who, you know, put didn't the Ravens didn't put their foot on their necks. That's really what it boiled down to. Yeah, I completely agree. And I look at that drive, which ended in that block field goal in the first half. Ravens led 17 to 6. They're driving. There's that fourth and two situation where they were able to get that defensive holding there, get the first down. And you just felt like if the Ravens were able to look especially get a touchdown, you go up 24 to six, but even go up 20 to six and you feel really good about your position. They get the block field goal. They're able to run it back for some yardage there. And the Browns, look, they, they settled for a field goal, but it still makes it one possession where that's where I was saying, man, 17 to nine. It just feels like the Ravens were really outplaying them the entire first half for that to be a one possession game. It's pretty deflating. And conversely, if you're Cleveland going into halftime thinking, look, we just took a giant body blow, especially in the first drive with a pick six from Kyle Hamilton, and we were down 14 to nothing. But to be a one-score game, you had to be extremely confident in that Cleveland locker room. I'm sure Kevin Stefanski was talking about that. Yeah, I mean, and they played with a ton of confidence in that second half. I mean, it was really all hands on deck. And I got to be – I mean, I, I didn't expect that from the Browns. I didn't expect the final score to be in the 30s for both of these teams. I mean, that that's that's not what was on anybody's bingo's, bingo card, but that just goes to show you, man, these, AF, these division games in general. I don't think it really matters what division you're in, but just division games in general in the NFL are a totally different ball game, and you're probably always going to see something that you're not used to seeing when, when that team is facing teams out outside of the division. Tim, really appreciate you making some time 
uh, to jump on the podcast for Rita. Check him out all week from two to six on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. Uh, Cordell Woodland here from Win and Drive. Appreciate everybody checking us out. Of course, we'll be putting out our next episode where we go even deeper into this Ravens loss to Cleveland. What can the Ravens expect going into this game against the Bengals as well? Very quick turnaround. How healthy will the Ravens be? We'll talk about all that and more on the next episode of Win and Drive. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 